Dead? Not anymore. How can you teach such dribble? These people are here to learn and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. I'm going to kiss you. Conquer brain death. Let it happen, Humans are such easy prey. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job and a side channel. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films that we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon, we decide on the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an on-air shout-out and two bonus episodes every single month. Uh, we've been doing them for a while now. You guys got like seven or eight of them. Go back, yeah. check them out, do that up. Speaking of shout-outs, we haven't done... I think we skipped last week, so we got a yeah. bunch to do. D, just the letter D. Thanks so much. <laughs> Great name. Uh, Appreciate T- you. Timothy Hunt, Caleb Cunningham... And Ethan Cartwright, all you guys have been getting all of that bonus sleazy content, so thanks so much for uh, joining us on this journey. Patrons, two weeks ago would have been the last time you heard from us. What were we talking? Uh, we did... Oh, if it was patrons, would have Oh, no, 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 that was, that was free episode, listeners. Yeah, yeah, you guys would have heard us uh, back with Anya Stanley of Daily Grindhouse and a bunch of other uh, places. Uh, she brought on Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. Yeah. And paired it with uh, Abel Ferreira's The Driller Killer, <laughs> which was uh, bizarre. And brought us into amazing. the world of video nasties. That was a very fun episode. So if you haven't heard that one, uh, go check that one out. Uh, and patrons, you guys would have heard from us last week where we would have been talking for the first time Alfred Hitchcock. We talked Vertigo. Yeah. Uh, and we paired it with Brian De Palma's loose, uh, sleazy remake, <laughs> yeah. Body Double, which is a film that I personally love. Uh, yeah, me too. That was great. Uh, so anyway, uh, if you guys want that episode, head on over to Patreon. Uh, that's where you can get that. Uh, but this week, we're changing it up. Usually we have a guest on, and we have them bring on two films uh, that they have selected. But we knew ahead of time that these were two films that we had to cover. Um, they're very iconic, two 80s splatter body horror films by Stuart Gordon. And we knew we had to do them, and we were figuring out who could we possibly get to talk about these films with us. So we asked, and luckily she said that she was interested. Thank you so much. We brought on the one of the star of both films, Barbara Crampton. Barbara, how are you doing? Hey, guys. I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank oh, you we're for always doing excellent. Yeah, thanks so much. You're welcome. I was honestly a little bit shocked, so I'm a little happy about it. So. you shocked I said yes? Or a little bit. Yeah. I was like, does oh. she, I mean, I, I've read a lot I of... I was too easy. Little, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't think that. Don't think that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I know you've talked about a lot of these films a lot, so I was a little like, does she, is she going to want to come out and talk about them? But I'm glad that you do, um, and we have a lot of fans out there who are are going to be interested uh in yeah, i think very excited yeah well, the, having you know well, the, back the into fun, these ones. <laughs> thank you the funny the funny thing is josh i had met you a number of years ago and mm-hmm. we had a couple of nice interactions at fan expo in canada and i was and i liked you and i and then when you reached out to me i said okay i'll do it because i like this guy so that's why i'm here that's really. a great 
Be- it's because of you, not just because of the uh, movies, well, but thank you, you know, so much. because you asked me and you seem nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks good. so much. All right. Well, I think, I mean, I don't really know how to, I, th- I think when we introduce these films, I guess we'll do it in the actual segments because uh, yeah. I don't really know else what to say about these ones other than. There's a lot to talk about here. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I guess we'll just get right into it. Reanimator? Reanimator. Let's do it. Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life, and not one of them showed any appreciation. H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head get a job in a sideshow? It will scare you to pieces. All right, we are talking Reanimator, or H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator, the 1985 uh, sci-fi horror film uh, loosely based on H.P. Lovecraft's uh, serial novelette, Herbert West Reanimator. Uh, from what I understand, Lovecraft's uh, parody of the original Frankenstein story. Uh, okay. In this case, directed by Stuart Gordon, um, a prominent theater director turned horror filmmaker uh, and genre filmmaker in general and produced by Brian Yesna. Uh, and the film stars Jeffrey Combs, mm-hmm. Barbara Crampton, yep. who's with us today, <laughs> um, and David Gale, the legendary David Gale, excellent in the film, and Bruce Abbott. The film sort of follows... Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, the title of Lovecraft story was Herbert West, but this film is actually sort of more about... Uh, Dan and Megan, two sort of like all-American med students who have a run-in with Herbert West, um, who (laughs) is a little bizarre, it's a little strange. A little bit, a little bit Uh, obsessive as well. The the opening prologue of the film uh, has Herbert West sort of performing a, I guess this is the title, a reanimation (laughs) on a uh, mentor professor that he's learning from over in Switzerland, uh, and everyone's saying, you've killed him because he is sort of uh, bubbles up and explodes a little bit. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, it doesn't look good for, for West in that scene. <laughs> no, and but he says famously that he gave him life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that pretty much perfectly defines Even if the it's film. violent. And <laughs> yeah, but it's nice because it foreshadows, you know, the horror that's to come. Absolutely. And, yeah. and it was interesting you said it, it really was Dan and Meg's story because originally when Dennis Paoli wrote it with Stuart Gordon, they had in the forefront of their minds that it was really Dan and Meg's story. But I think because Jeffrey Combs was so amazing in that role, he <laughs> yeah. hijacked the whole thing. He did steal the <laughs> show. You know, and, he, and he made it a, a movie about him, which we don't care. You know, he, he was terrific and wonderful. So, um, so that's, all, that's all good. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, I think I think kind of what gets lost in this film, because I think a lot of people, or at least people that, you know, travel in horror circles, they, they do love this film, but I find there's, uh, you know, a lot of people appreciate it in a sort of, you know, some people view it as as, as sort of a comic camp type thing, and it is mm-hmm. funny. It is funny in more of like it's a surrealist sense to yeah. me, but... Uh, but it, it does have heart to it, especially with the, the, the Dan and Megan story. And I think that the fact that they, they wrote that does come through, even if people a lot of the mm-hmm. time mostly will talk about the gore effects. But there, yeah. there is like a romantic mm-hmm. tragedy at the heart of well, the yeah, story. Well, yeah, of course. Which, which the ending, I think, really yeah. gets at. 
Well, and to me, I think the movies that I appreciate the most that are horror have some foundation in some emotional realism or mm-hmm. some connection to something that you're striving for or that you've lost. And I think we have that. And initially when the movie was written, Stuart didn't know how funny it was going to be. And Jeffrey and Bruce got together during rehearsals we had for the movie, which was about three weeks before we started shooting. And they both kind of thought, huh, this is, this is kind of funny stuff. Even though Bruce Abbott had to play the straight guy, um, mm-hmm. they were both in on it that they wanted to play up some of the humor. And, um, and really, I, you know, I don't think it's any, anything that a lot of diehard fans don't know that, that's, that really, it, it, that's one reason why From Beyond isn't as funny as Reanimators because Stuart wanted to make From Beyond as more of a serious horror movie. And in a way, I mean, I, everybody loves that reanimator has the camp and has a certain <laughs> style and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. But I, we all didn't even know. And even Jeffrey didn't know how funny it was going to turn out to be. Um, yeah. well, I th- and I how think a lot yeah. of it just comes from the, the imagery itself, which is a lot of times mm-hmm. very, very surreal. I think, Pauline Kael actually famously called it Pop Bunueli or Bunuel, mm-hmm. which is obviously yeah. he's the Spanish surrealist filmmaker who famously did that uh, that silent film shot where the straight razor is taken oh, to the yeah. lady's eye. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, crazy. And like mm-hmm. his his films also have this very gross imagery, but he does it with so much absurdity and with such a you know a, a knowingness to it that, that yeah. comes through. And I think what honestly helps is the fact that. Uh, you know, all of the performers here, uh, you guys all play it straight, which, you know, there is there is real character and real soul to Mm -hmm. the performances that make the imagery not overtake it. Right. I mean, we're not laughing at it like, you know, like like they did in Dr. Giggles, you know, it's not (laughs) which is a completely different kind of movie. But, you know, we're we're with the material and the importance of the material is what was important in the scene. Mm. And any, any kind of humor that came out of it was something that was, you know, was sort of, was sort of laced in throughout and it wasn't, it just wasn't so intentional. So, you know, it's not, and it wasn't like, I don't know, did they, it's not trying they too talk? hard, you know, it's yeah. just, it's, no, it's, it's arriving naturally from your yeah. story. Yeah, mm-hmm. which like, is it's an excellent story. Yeah, as well, I find too, like the so. humor. It, it's <laughs> almost also because we're not used to some of this, uh, some of these this medical th- stuff that they're doing, such as like when the doctor's peeling off the scalp and stuff. Oh, like it's that. almost he's, like shock. Yeah. It's a shock like, effect. And, yeah, and you're like, how else do you react it, to that? He says it so normally, like it's like it's yeah. just like pulling off a, a large skin of an orange. It's no yeah. big deal at all. Yeah, like, so, I mean, and the yeah. funny thing is, the funny thing is, you know, the sensibilities of a writer do come through. So I know Stuart and I know Dennis Paoli, the writers. I've known them for mm-hmm. 35 years. Both of them are extremely funny people and they're warm people. So I think mm-hmm. that's why this movie comes off that way. It comes off warm and and a little humorous, you know, because that's their personalities. Yeah, for real. So I guess we'll get into the actual, we'll get into a little bit of the story here. Yeah, yeah. So okay. it kind of starts out with, with uh, Dan is in a bit of a financial conundrum. Yeah. He's looking for a roommate. His girlfriend, Meg, who is also the daughter of the dean of the medical school that he goes to school with, she doesn't seem that particularly interested in moving in with him, even though she does like him. But that's a big step. So yeah. she's like, hold up. 
Uh, and a, a great bit of, and I think this is probably mentioned a lot, but a, a great bit of, of comedy is the Stop Making Sense poster that's above mm-hmm. their bed. Uh, excellent right. Jonathan Demme documentary um, mm-hmm. uh, about the talking heads, which obviously, talking heads, you know. <laughs> yes, uh, foreshadowing and we have things to come. Yeah. Exactly. There's going to be some talking heads in this film. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> um, but basically... Uh, Dan, who is looking for a roommate, happens to coincide with West being expelled from Switzerland. I, I don't know if they just sh- sh- flew him out of the country and were like, do something else. Yeah. <laughs> but he comes into the medical school and he's got ambitions. And I think if, if largely this film is about anything, it's sort of about, you know, the the corruption of this kind of ambition and yeah. mm-hmm. and of, of a particularly kind of male ego in the uh, in both the academic field and the the research and science field because yeah. uh, that's what ends up kind of ruining everyone in this film is um, you know basically two people going. having a pissing contest yeah that, right because it's just obsessive <laughs> and Dan point. gets caught up in it for seemingly you know altruistic reasons the one of the opening I think the first time we see him he's trying to resuscitate a a uh, someone who's just died in the hospital, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? And, and he's he's trying really, you know, that they're telling him, dog, she, like they're it's gone. Done. You got to know when to stop. But he can't. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't really know when when to stop. And that's kind of the issue is that Dan probably wouldn't do a lot of the things that Wes does. Yeah. But they kind of both push each other's worst yeah. qualities. They in have that. so much empathy, but mm. for like different reasons, it seems. Yeah, and then Meg gets caught up. With because she knows every single person who's involved here. Her her dad, the dean. Um, uh, what's the what's the professor's name? What's Gail's character's name? D- Carl um, Hill. Doctor Carl Hill. Yeah. Hill. Yeah. yeah. And and Dean Halsey. Yeah. And Dean Halsey. Yeah. So you know, it's it's kind of a a, a push and pull between these four men in the science industry and. Uh, Barbara Yu, who kind of gets caught in all of them, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, yeah. we were discussing how it seems like y- your character was kind of one of the only innocent, innocent characters that's just g- <laughs> having to deal with all of this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, well, I yeah, I guess. I mean, I was kind of innocent, but I also mm-hmm. I tried to play her, even though you know Lovecraft doesn't write a lot of women, as anybody who reads Lovecraft knows, and so I'm sort of inserted in there. But I also tried to. Um, imbue Meg with a little bit of smarts, you know, which was oh, kind of sure. written into the story. Although, you know, Herbert West refers to me as the bubble-headed co-ed. I never wanted to play it like that. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted it to be tragic, and I wanted to, you know, to to play it as as someone who, you know, had altruistic, you know, uh, meanings for everything, mm-hmm. and loved Dan, and you know, just just wanted things to go nicely in her life and um you know they just didn't yeah it seemed like everyone else had sort of these underlying sort of uh for for hill and west in particular Selfish perversities reasons. yeah and, oh, and, then, yeah, and, and definitely then perversities too <laughs> but then also you know there was yeah but the dad didn't i mean the dad, the dad was a little not. my father wasn't but you know he came down a little bit hard yeah. on uh, on um, Dan Kane, you know, throwing him out of the university. That was a little bit harsh. And mm-hmm. if you remember um, Bruce Abbott's, like, his moment was so beautiful. You know, everybody talks about um, about Jeffrey Combs, and he is amazing and wonderful, and we're, like, best of friends. <laughs> and 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 a lot of people don't talk about the, the, the depth that 
um, that Bruce Abbott brought to that role. And when Dean Halsey says, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, you're expelled from the university, the look on his face, and he was just about to cry. I mean, yeah. you know, you just, he was so believable in the role. I mean, so lovely and, you know, just wonderful. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, as, and Dan, Dan especially, and then obviously his relationship with Meg are what kind of, it is the, the tragedy of the film largely because mm-hmm. Wes seems like his end goal is met. Um, yeah. And the, the 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 real lives that got ended were Dan and Meg's, which is you know when 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 Meg has to confront the fact that her dad is now a zombie like monster, it's yeah. it's horrifying. Yeah, um, right. And then when when Dan realizes that he's obviously responsible for it, he has a lot of conflicting emotions about. Yes. it. he wants mm-hmm. you know his 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 passion is to be able to really end death. Uh, which yeah. is, you know, it, it, it's very altruistic, mm-hmm. but it's it's very much as as is proven by the film. It's it's kind of a thing that to be careful what you wished for kind of scenario, where mm-hmm. like you know is is you know, Herbert West says that this is life, but is it really life? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that really gets to Lovecraft's sort of you know a- anxiety about mortality, mm-hmm. and then Gordon um, threw in his own. Uh, you know, body horror and splatter elements, which for me are some of the most effective horror, uh, if simply because they they kind of for me get at the the anxiety of of transformation, of change, of, of yeah. Im- mm-hmm. impermanence, and it's it's an anxiety that obviously things like body horror and things that you know we we actually previously on the show already talked scanners and video drum as well mm-hmm. with Cronenberg, um, and it's just an yeah, example. Deep Cronenberg vibes for sure. Yeah, well, it, it's just a case of you know it, it's a way to make that anxiety visceral and real and physical, which right. is a lot more cinematic. And a lot more uh, wild when you actually see it on the screen, <laughs> yeah. obviously, uh, yeah. because yeah. the the makeup team on on your guys' movie incredible, <laughs> ridiculously good. Because uh, I don't I don't know what that stuff looked like on set for you, but on on mm-hmm. screen the way that it's lit and the way that it functions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which stuff are you talking about in particular? Oh well, I was talking about a lot of it, but I was thinking in particular. Uh, especially a lot of the stuff in the climax, my, yeah. my, my with all pro- the different yeah. bodies, how like the different, uh, just the, the, the crusted blood on like the half I was, of their bodies. I was stuff so was- shocked by the bit where, uh, cause I, I watched this probably around the time that I was in film school and the, mm-hmm. the thing that shocked me the most was the exploding intestines that strangle, oh, come yeah. out and strangle the dude. I know. <laughs> I was blown away by that effect. I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they shot that backwards. Did they? That, yeah. That makes a lot of sense because then you'd be able to play it backwards. Like you, you could rip it mm-hmm. off of his neck and then you could play right. that backwards and it would look like it grabs on. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we had a lot of special effects teams on the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, different people have gone on to have amazing careers directing and, you know, uh, creating The Walking Dead. And, you know, I oh, mean, really? like, they work on that. That's cool. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. We had some of those people. I mean, just just ama- an amazing team. I mean, if you look, if you go back, well, actually, even more on From Beyond. But if you go back on both of these movies, you'll see a lot of names that are quite familiar to you. Um, but but uh, yeah, there was a lot of blood that was used. You know, one of our <laughs> I slogans. <heard> that. <laughs> I yeah, that. one of our slogans for Stuart Gordon was "More blood is not enough," <laughs> because it just never was. You know, he'd always want more and more and more. And um, and you know, we made the movie at a time like today, uh, 
they want to shoot movies in 15 to 18 days if you have a low budget movie and this was considered a low budget movie shot for i don't know maybe seven hundred thousand dollars 35 years ago so maybe that was more like three million today i don't know if somebody mm-hmm. would do the math on that <laughs> but we also had about you know well i guess they said we had something between 19 and 21 days but we actually went overtime every day that we shot on the movie. I got paid more in overtime than I did in my regular salary. Oh, wow. So, so you're okay with that? I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I was okay I'm, with I'm that. curious what, his, uh, what his, his backers and investors thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that I, I, I think it was Charlie Band at the time. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, he yeah, I don't like, know how he much. Was like, get what you need. Over- yeah. <laughs> well, I it was the crew wasn't really paid that much more because it was a non-union crew, but uh-huh. you know they had to pay us. So they Stuart would just make everybody stay. He would say, "I'm not done," and we would all be like, "Okay." <laughs> and uh, and um, so was it many- worth it? Did you guys get? Did you guys get the shots? Was Stuart happy eventually? I guess. I mean, look, I was a young actor at the time, so true. I wasn't going to say. Uh, no, I have to go home. I'm tired. I was <laughs> yeah. like, we're not done? Okay. Uh, yeah. And so many, many days we saved 15 hours, 16 hours. And l- the last couple of days, there were like two 18-hour days in a row because wow. it was Christmas. Wow. So we had to we had to finish before Christmas. Um, but we're digressing. I don't know if you're going to, you know, you're going to buy plot line if uh, we want to go back oh, to Oh, no, that. honestly, we, we, yeah. we travel all over the place yeah. uh, on this show. Yeah. loosey-goosey. Yeah, sometimes we talk about completely different movies by accident and then we have to stop <laughs> ourselves. Alright. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just speaking on the blood thing, uh, it, was it John Nolan, I think? Or what, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he said John that he, he mm-hmm. goes from, uh, he went from, like, he usually used two gallons of blood per movie, and this one he had to use, mm-hmm. like, 24 gallons of blood. Just yeah, I mean that's ridiculous. I didn't even know what that number was. I mean that that's <laughs> yeah. insane right there, right? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Oh, apparently they looked at like real uh, uh, medical uh, books just to try to mm-hmm. get those bodies to be as gross as possible. <laughs> oh, I know. So, yeah, and it works. That, that it, finale it is just across, insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and everybody took a lot of trips to the morgue. I know I didn't go because I didn't have to, but. Yeah. Um, Bruce and Jeffrey both went to the morgue a couple of times and, oh, wow. you know, looked at, I, I mean, I've seen a few real dead bodies in my life, but only because my friend, her father owned a funeral home. So she oh, used to scare okay. us when we were in high school by, <laughs> you know, we loved it, but we would go over to the funeral home and at night when her parents weren't there working <laughs> and we'd look at all the dead bodies. So you were just, so, you were meant to be in horror. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I finally realized that I meant to be here. I finally accepted my fate. That's here right. I am. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> where were we on the, uh, the plot? Yeah, I was trying to remember. So where, uh, so Dan's, you know, there, he's trying to convince him to, ha- uh, J- Jeffrey's character is trying to convince Dan to help him and, and Jeff, and Dan has he revives his with cat, the money. Right? That's the big thing. With the money kills the cat, what? and then and then he reanimates the cat. That's what he does, and he's just yeah, like, he look. He moves in. I mean, re- reluctantly, he moves in. I tell him, "Don't have the guy move in. You got to check him out." And and yeah. then he, he says, "No, seem I'm like going an odd to." Character. And, yeah, I think you had it right. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Yeah, I. It's a woman's instinct. That's and right. you knew it. Yeah. But, yeah. But he, yes, I, and then Dan he, needed that money, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, yeah. He did, he did. That, was, that was the main where do, thing. Is but where did West, he get that money? I'd like to know where he, he got that money. Where Wes just, yeah. yeah, he pulls it out of his yeah, pocket. Yeah, He's like, there you go. For real, yeah. <laughs> like, nobody's ever brought that up. Where You know, he was kicked out of, 
you know, the school in Switzerland, he arrives in America and all of a sudden he's got all this money. Where do you get that from? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. So West's main thing is that he kind of just has like a like a an un, uninhibited, all consuming kind of ambition. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in people kind of who have looked at Lovecraft's story have said that his his ambition kind of comes from the fact that he's a little socially awkward. And he's, yeah. try, he's trying to hijack the reproductive uh, system, basically. And he's mm-hmm. just like, I don't really need to get in a relationship with anybody if I can just bring life to all of these bodies that yeah. are around me all of the That's time. That's interesting. <laughs> Who was that yeah. that said that? Did you oh, I don't remember. I, I was just reading it. I was That's just reading it. Yeah. Like Apparently, read. that's a, that's a, a pretty uh, uh, solid theme in Lovecraft's original text. But oh, I actually okay. haven't yeah. gone through and read. Because apparently, okay. it's like a it's a six book long um like uh serial comic or something like that okay yeah something of the sense yeah i i read them years ago but to be honest i haven't read them in so long i mean i read them like 35 years ago well from what i understand gordon's script here is about the first half of the first one yeah Oh, just the first half Uh, yeah okay so some lovecraft it's it's got it's controversial in lovecraft circles uh well yeah i heard that people said that like he would never have uh, approve such an exploitive thing. Oh or no! Something like oh that. no! No no no! But uh, no, he wouldn't have no. I'm no. Sure. <laughs> Cause there, yeah. There was a an author of of some. Uh, it was it was a book based on H. P. Lovecraft, and and he said that he actually might have done so. He th- <laughs> thought that he might have enjoyed some of the the exploitation. Mm, but I haven't really? Read, I haven't mm. read any Lovecraft though, so I, I'm just. You know, speaking oh, for other yeah, people. I've only read a few bits and pieces. I know some yeah. of the one that I've been Cthulhu really wanting to get stuff, into, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, also, he was, a, you know, as a person, he was very socially awkward. Mm. So I ah. I probably some very empathetic his to West, own then. personality yeah. was, you know, uh, in the Herbert West character, I'm mm. sure. Yeah, I heard he didn't even get recognition until uh, like years after he passed away. Really, that's mm-hmm. unfortunate. That's scary. Yeah, because now he's because now he's such a huge name. Like people know him and based well a ton of uh, art on on his ideas. So, yeah. well, yeah, a lot of people are scared to adapt it into film, which is why you know it's mm. amazing that Gordon was able to get Except two for films out of him. Does too, yeah, because yeah, a lot of his a lot of his fans don't think that he's very easily adaptable, and maybe that's proven to be mm. true. But regardless, I think that. You know, Gordon was able to make films that maybe aren't uh, super close to what Lovecraft hoped for, but they are mm-hmm. unique and special in their own way. And Gordon's way that really uh, works. Yeah. yeah, a lot of his writing is very atmospheric, and mm-hmm. you know, coming from a place of just inner terror and you know turmoil, and you have to have a framework for that. And so, I think what Stewart does is create a framework for our worst fears. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're were representative of what was going on in Love's Craft's mind or heart or soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that really comes back to, you know, the, the, the actual tragedy of Dan and Meg, where Dan is this guy who really wants to end mortality. Wes does, too, in his own twisted way, I guess. But Wes is more in it for the ambition. Dan is in it for, you know, uh, you know he actually wants to help people in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what really gets us to the finale is that Dan basically unleashes West on everyone <laughs> around him and Meg. And that's that, that's kind of mm-hmm. what happens is he, he helps West um, after West kills his cat. <laughs> yeah, just throws it right to, the, to yep. the wall there. That was nuts. And he shows Dan, look, I can reanimate your cat. And I'm like, dog, that 
doesn't really look like your cat. And that's that's terrifying. And not only that, but it's <laughs> suffering. It's clearly suffering. Oh, so what, it's yeah, like, what's, does what's it his want line? Life rebirth when, when, is doubly yeah. painful. Yeah, would you want to be rebirthed if, like, you have one of your legs, like, sticking out over yeah. here and, like, the cat was mm-hmm. mangled? And I'm like, you're just letting mm-hmm. it suffer. I think death would have been a more merciful <laughs> thing for the thing. Like, yeah, but Dan's got the blinders on, so Dan right, helps exactly. West break in back into the school after he's been kicked out of the med school for getting into a bit of a pissing contest with with <laughs> dr hill whose work he calls uh in europe we call it plagiarism or whatever yeah. he says which is yeah like a, a really you know it says a lot about west that he just he the dude can't make friends right he could he, in the he middle could, of class yeah. like yeah He's yeah not he, immediately his first thought is who's the big guy here how do i make him hate me yeah um, <laughs> But what's interesting is that West, over the course of the film, becomes, you know, gets that sort of anti-hero status. If he's a guy who you're kind of like, I'm not, I'm not sure about you, man. I really don't think you're doing the best stuff. But you're but, definitely not Hill. But you're not Dr. <laughs> Hill, whose, like, worst <laughs> inner thoughts are uh, compounded by mm. both West confronting him and the reanimating uh, serum, which I heard was like the, the glow stick kind of fluid or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which looks ex- excellent on, on, on film. Um, yeah. But then obviously the big things happen. Dr. Hill comes back. Uh, Dr. Hill gets... I forget how he gets reanimated. Remember who who's, who stabs him? Well, do, he can control... Does Isn't it himself? Because he can... Uh... He cut, they cut off his head. His oh, no, then they has to get yeah, right, he, you're right, because he has to, but, yeah. But didn't he, um, didn't West inject him in his head and in his body with the reanimation fluid? Because he didn't like, know, Because he, right. he said parts, I've never done parts before. Oh, right, because yes. he didn't know Remember? that he could still control yes, his body with just correct. his brain. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So Dr. Hale, who is, who is headless... Headless because of a spade. Which is a great that effect too. Him. Like just yeah. him walking yeah. around holding his head. It's just it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's you know there's there's not a lot of films that <laughs> could get away with some of this stuff. Well, yeah. Barbara, I have to ask while you were shooting the film because you would have seen a lot of this stuff. Were you like, what am I working on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm curious no! how, how this looked to you. No, I completely went with it the yeah? whole time. No, nice. I. Oh gosh, no, no. It was like, I. I had no idea that it was out as crazy and as outlandish as it was until I saw the movie. And I went, holy, holy crap. Look at that thing. Um, I I mean, it was just a cool story. And I Mm -hmm. and I really didn't think, you know, I've said this before. I mean, I I think most people say this about these movies that turn into cult classics. You never think it's going to be anything. Mm. And then it's become something over time. And you go, oh, wow, you're kind of surprised. I mean, it's. It's like any famous artist who paints and they think, oh, my paintings are right, I guess, until, you know, <laughs> it turns into Rembrandt or something or, you know, there's been a lot of artists that were discovered after after they died and, you know, didn't really make a lot of money. I mean, Mozart was like that, too. So, I mean, I don't know. I thought we were making a fun movie. I was having fun with a few people, you know, working on it. It was one of my first movies and I was lucky to have a job, I felt like. So... <laughs> Um, I, I, I didn't have anything to compare it to. I didn't okay. have any, I didn't, I didn't go. It wasn't like I was a horror nerd like you guys. And I was mm-hmm. working on the greatest <laughs> horror comedy. One of the greatest horror comedies of all time. I, how would I, I didn't know that I didn't have any reference point. Okay. And I've really only become a horror fan mm-hmm. as time has gone on with my career. So, um, everybody, including Stuart was shocked that the movie did as well as it did. 
Oh, that's awesome. Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. pretty amazing that you can, you know, you can do all this this work on this thing and then, yeah. you know, watch it kind of take on a bit of a life of its own. I was wondering... Oh, yeah. I was wondering what both of your takes would be on... It seems like a lot of the... Uh, in bo- it's a running theme in both the films. Oh, yeah. The, the two evil guys, the Dr. Hill, and then I can't remember the From Beyond uh, character. Pretorius. Name. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it seems like... It, they're very focused too on uh, sexual perversion, and I was mm. just wondering, like, is like it, what Stuart Gordon might be saying there, or if it's the writers mm-hmm. or, or what that is. Well, I, I think because they case go of, really over the top in yeah. some scenes, and I was just, I was just curious what maybe. Your take I think it's on just pushing the envelope, and I think you know mm-hmm. Stuart famously um, in Chicago, he was part of the Organic Theater Group in Chicago. He mounted a production of peter pan i think and everybody was naked in the in the show um so (laughs) you know stewart's all about pushing boundaries and seeing how Mm -hmm. far he can go and he you know that kind of was his thing back in the day and Mm -hmm. he i you know i don't he's not a sexually perverse person that i know of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I just think that those were themes that he wanted to explore about about humanity, you know. Sure. And, and he does um, particularly make the evil people have those. It seems like it's the two main yeah. guys there. Well, and, and and it's interesting too because before the horror kind of breaks loose, you wouldn't think those about some of these people. Maybe Pretorius yeah. a little a bit little more. Bit. He had the dungeon a little, and all a little that, bit yeah. more with Pretorius. <laughs> but with Hill, for example, I think what's so interesting mm-hmm. is that Hill seems like a like a typical you know, maybe even relatively kind professor, mm-hmm. um, or if not kind, at least, you know, competent. Um, and then, but he's obsessive too. He, he has is. an obsessive personality and so does, um, and so does Jeffrey's character. For and sure. I, I have a friend whose husband is a brain surgeon <laughs> and, um, she said, you know, you know, there's a little bit of obsessiveness about a lot of doctors because they, to do the kind of work they do, they have to be so single-mindedly focused and obsessed. So, you know, if you're an obsessive personality, you can get obsessed by one thing and another thing. It doesn't have to be just one thing, right? I mean, you look at people who are alcoholics or people that, you know, have issues with um, addiction and things. And sometimes it's not just about alcohol. It could be an addiction to a lot of different kinds of things. And how that plays out in society can be different depending on their circumstances or how they were brought up. So I think, you know, what you guys are hitting on, you know, uh, is, is something um, that you're very smart to look at is this, you know, this kind of obsessiveness that both of these, you know, somewhat evil characters had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they do have like a like a, a sort of like intense discipline and 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 focus to them. I think actually one of our patrons, mm-hmm. Steve Carlson, writing about the film said that he felt that the film was that there's not a wasted moment in it and that the film itself seems almost possessed by that that focus yeah um mm. which is mm, that's interesting, interesting way of point. putting it yeah mm-hmm. yeah well and i think especially with the because i've i've watched both cuts i don't know which one you watched but there's two cuts of the film and one is the 85 minute one and one's like the hour hour 45 um, uh, i think i watched the 85 I okay i think I think both are good. Both yeah. are good, but I think is he was referring unrated? to the to which, the uh, to the, the shorter one, a... which is like cut to the bone. Right. Which, but it's you know it's it's still really good. Um, 
I think, was it The Unrated? <laughs> that's The Hour 40? I think that's The Hour okay, 40. Okay, you right. know what? I did watch that one. I watched yeah. The Unrated. I'm not so. sure what more it contains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I imagine it was yeah. just stuff that they, could, they, they didn't want to put, yeah. put in theaters or yeah. put on the main, the, the first release right. anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. I, there's also a version called The Integral version or integral version rather and uh mm. and it's apparently everything that was put in this like the theatrical release that was taken out of the unrated and then everything that was in the unrated was put in so they just so put they it all together and it's see, uh, one I giant see. one uh, <laughs> yeah that makes that, me dizzy but... guys you know more than i do <laughs> oh, all kinds of all kinds of, yeah. of of cuts of films and you know yeah all kinds of things uh, but either way, yeah, I thought that was an interesting point, and I think that you know this this sort of obsessiveness is what uh, corrupts Dan. Is that he mm-hmm. ends up getting getting involved with these two, um, and they they reanimate first just a, a a corpse that's laying in the morgue, which kind of brings uh, it back to zombie like fashion. Uh, and right. I, and I guess, you know, at, at the same time, the sort of way we perceive modern zombies wasn't necessarily fully established yet. So this film had a hand in doing that, oh, that's um, cool. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, once they do that, they basically unleash hell in the <laughs> medical school and end up reanimating as well uh, the, the the dean or and Meg's father, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, seems like a really good dude until he seems sort of uh, manipulated by Dr. Hill. Um, right, he is a good dude. Yeah, he's totally manipulated by him. Yeah, I'll stand by my father 100%. Yeah, well, well, because Dr. Hill does a little, like, uh, Jafar moment where he, like, hypnotizes him or something. Yeah. The, there's a big yeah, lighting change. It's an interesting moment. Right. That was actually, we shot, now you guys are reminding me, and I had forgotten this, but we uh, shot more moments like that. I mean, he kind of used that on me at the dinner table as well uh, when he was okay. talking to me. Oh, Meg, or something. I don't even know. I can't remember what he was saying about me or to me but i sort of was entranced by him for a moment and then i sort of was like what i you know uh and and we shot more moments like that where dr hill had this sort of powerful mental ability like a svengali type thing Mm -hmm. over us Mm -hmm. and they and they didn't use a lot of it they only used a couple of moments well yeah in the final film it's one of the first moments where you kind of get a feel that dr hill is you know has some sort of you know some weird qualities to him and this very sort of manipulative uh uh aura to him that yeah. you know you don't you, you you sort of see it in a you don't necessarily see it in the day-to-day life of him and then all of a sudden it starts coming out and then it's it's amplified by west um when mm-hmm. they when they come head to head uh and yeah. basically all hell gets unleashed at the medical school now i had a quick question for you though there's one person and he's an you might not even know because it's such a small moment but mm. there's an extra <laughs> in the film so your your character yeah. meg she's waiting outside uh, I think the 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 hospital wing, and I think she's she's waiting to either in the see lobby. Dan. She's in the I know lobby, what you're right? Say. Yeah, you're in the lobby. Yeah. The, the the guy you're sitting beside. Yes. He has. He is he, the answer. <laughs> <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> he doesn't have a mouth, or he's he's got all this thing wrapped around him, and you hand him like a pamphlet, or you hand him something. Yeah. Who is that oh. guy? What, what were you saying that's, to that guy? Ja, that's John Carpenter's father. Is it? Oh, really? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no idea. I just I, I just yeah. noticed that it's it's a nice little detail moment, and I was like, what? Who is that guy? And what is his relationship with Meg? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. No, it was Nothing? just funny. I, it was my one little funny moment. I had a, I had one funny moment. Well, do you know what? Movie. I loved it, and I very much yeah. noticed it. It was very... <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, <laughs> That's thanks. so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So they unleash all hell on the, uh, you know, on the, on the medical school. And is it in the basement of the medical school where the f- big finale takes place? Yeah, I believe so. Because they have to take the uh, elevator back up. And that's when that one guy, yeah. like yeah, half of his body he, he's, is just charred. He, he's trying to get in. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a horrifying sequence because Meg, I think, is kidnapped by her reanimated father, who she's trying to yeah. save. Because she doesn't understand exactly what's happening yet. Mm-hmm. She seems like the least informed character at that point point in time but mm-hmm. she knows that something's wrong with her father and her father kidnaps her and takes her to dr hill who's now carrying his head around in a really hilarious fashion <laughs> yeah. uh, and this is where we get to an actual uh laboratory that basically looks like a a almost comic book version of like a universal monsters laboratory yeah like the the frankenstein or bride of frankenstein yeah. kind of style thing uh and uh Things get particularly horrifying here where Dr. Hill, who was harboring some, you know, some a proclivity for his, uh, you know, his, his, his student Meg, uh, starts kind of being very, very goddamn creepy. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. And uh, at the same time, uh, it also has a moment that I, I only caught actually on this rewatch, but there's a moment that Gordon leaves in where you can see Dan kind of sneaking in the background of the lo- the laboratory, yeah, mm-hmm. um, which is a which is a nice little touch. <laughs> I actually yeah. didn't notice that. But this sequence for you, Barbara, um, is obviously horrifying uh, for for Meg, who is being you know ass- assaulted by by Doctor Hill, and her own father has brought her there and is and is part of his zombie horde that he has created by I think he reanimates the bodies, but then also does his own like laser mm-hmm. lobotomy to control them. Yeah. And basically, I, guess so, I think he, yeah. he's gone full out super villain. Basically, yeah. Um, yeah, which is a just you know it's and the the set that you guys are working on is absolutely incredible. Yeah, that was that was on a sound stage. We built that, or oh. I didn't oh, build that. Okay. They built that. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't personally build it. Well, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't make enough money for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. The, the the horde kind of starts rising up, and then West and Dan come in, and they they they're gonna put a stop to uh, Doctor Hill. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, this is kind of where things, as they say, get knocked into twelfth gear, where all the yeah. all the all the gore effects and all those twenty gallons mm-hmm. of blood or whatever kind of <laughs> yeah, come this into, where it all comes into play. yeah, they all come into full effect. And as we mentioned, there's the exploding body bit and the the intestines and coming out and strangling people. Um, and I, I also love, like, eventually, because, uh, Barbara, you were mentioning how um, the Dean had actually quite a, like, an emotional performance that not a, a lot of people talk about. But then he has that kind of triumphant moment where he, I think he gets, I guess he sees his daughter and actually saves them and helps them. Right. Yeah. Well, I was talking about Dan King oh, yeah, actually Dan. having that, the emotional um, oh, weight of his okay. character in a, in a few scenes it's true but he with, does especially with, after that scene mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. with and he was with dean halsey um my mm. father but but um yeah there's a moment they wanted to have a moment where the dad you know recognizes me for a second but 
you know, is that what you're talking about? Yes. He pretty um, much, I mean, he really helps. Like, he's one of the big parts Mm -hmm. of saving everybody at at a certain point. Well, and and that's just it, too, is that, you know, we're watching all this horror unfold of all these reanimated bodies, uh, and there's just one moment where you're like, oh, that is my dad. A glimpse of humanity. Yeah. Right. And and again, Mm -hmm. it's a a moment like that that really elevates, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, the the horror, because because it it makes it that much more horrifying. Yeah, because you kind of realize realize he might have, uh, he might be self-aware There there might be something in there, and then you realize that all of the people that they're killing and all this, you know, sort of shocking, fun horror or gore that you're seeing happening... Th- there might still be people in there. You know, they might be in the right. back in the back corner, but you know, it's right. th- there's something happening there, um, which it's like Westworld. <laughs> Very it's like much Westworld, like, Westworld. like a prelude to Westworld. <laughs> yeah, there's a real person in there inside that computer body that looks like a human. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And 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 it really plays with you because you're you know you're we've been looking at people this whole time and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they you know they seem slightly off they're not people anymore but then you get a little glimpse of it again. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then Dan and Meg move for the escape. They go through the hallway. They go to the elevator. Dan has a bit of a uh, kerfuffle with. Uh, uh, yeah, one of the uh, zombies. Bodies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is which is, and it is a zombie movie. Like a lot of people say, is it a zombie movie? And people debate that, but I think it is. You know, to a certain extent, it has. We're zon- There's zombies in that. I mean, movie I guess it's sure. they are what zombies. zombies. Are they're reanimated corpses? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It's yeah. It's technically. <laughs> Nailed yeah. it. They're just not going for the brains. They're going for any body part whatsoever. Um, but this mm-hmm. this all builds to uh, Meg gets killed. And it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's really devastating for Dan. And this it's is sad. where and Bruce, yeah. Bruce's performance here especially is mm-hmm. it really, really sells it because he realizes that, you know, he was he was trying to do something good and he might have just destroyed the world. He hasn't yeah. really figured it out yet. But he has a really great moment when he, he takes Meg, he gets Meg into the hospital and we get a repeat of kind of the opening scene where he's trying to resuscitate a patient, where he's trying yeah. to bring back Meg. And it leads us to, you know, I think what is a, you know, actually kind of poetic ending for the film, which is Dan yeah. chooses to reanimate Meg. And yeah. he knows. Even though he full Even well though knows we've, we've spent the whole film and Dan has to seeing exactly what this thing um turns people into and yet the thought of losing meg is so painful that he would rather bring her back like that yeah right which is just yeah you think about the depth of that sort (laughs) of feeling that you have to get there and yeah for Mm -hmm. me that really is what makes the film is you know this this heartbreaking moment for dan right no yeah it had foundation and and a love story i mean it's basically a love story gone wrong too um and just from an actor's point of view, I I remember a lot moments in acting because those are the things that I grab onto more than mm-hmm. anything. And I remember when we were shooting that scene, there was one take where uh, Dan Kane was like over my body, right? So Bruce had some stuff that was coming out of his mouth and his nose because he was crying and like stuff was coming out. Mm-hmm. And it was, and everybody looked at it like on the playback. And everyone said, oh, my God, that's it. That's the moment you have to use that. It's so real and so believable. And Mm. he was really overcome, you know, uh, Bruce Abbott as the actor. I mean, it was really a great moment. And Stewart said, no, I'm not going to use that because look at that stuff coming out of his nose. That's not attractive. <laughs> I mean, a guy with all the freaking blood. Yeah, that yeah. Possibly that's what I would say. If anything, you feel like that would elevate like, it. I think you were right, Barbara. Like, no, 
I, I don't want the snot coming out of his nose. And we were all in the moment. We're like, Stuart, you have to use that. That's the best take. That's the best take. We were all saying that to him. You have to use that. It has to be in the final film. And he was like, no, no, I'm not using that. And we're like, Stuart, you have to. Come on, please. When if you a, if anything, that feels, the best. that feels like totally in line with the rest of the film, that even in yeah. this sort of very sad, heartbreaking yeah. moment that there would be a little bit of... It didn't like, make it in. It didn't wow. make it in. He, no. I'm wow. Crazy. I'm so mad write, about I'm gonna, that. I'm going to write a letter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. Right? I'm tweeting him. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, but, uh, that's but, surprising. Yeah. That really is. Yeah, I know, right? It's just so the much, blood, so the much gore, visceral. Whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want the snot coming out of his nose. <laughs> that's too no, much, I'm guys. Not, that's not good looking. I, yeah. I don't want that on my handsome guy's face. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning was, but you know, he just didn't want it. So, it was yeah. his movie? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's well, that's yeah. the end of that. <laughs> but uh, still, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Barbara, this is the part where we're going to enter the reductive rating round which we haven't told oh. you about this yet but this is where we we finish up our thoughts on the film and okay. uh generally with guests we give it a rating uh between one and five one and five and i don't know how you feel about rating your own stuff but, <laughs> yeah but might be weird which but. is why again we we haven't we haven't had an actual no i'm not gonna i can't rate my own stuff yeah that's fair it. it's that's a little fair. little too yeah. egotistical you would be a little <laughs> little dr no. hill whatever it's yeah. good yeah. it's good either way for me this is like a super easy five um, one of the uh, better horror films of, of the 80s. Um, I love the sort of, you know, surrealist uh, style to it, that it has sort of like this the, this comic book gore effect, and it's very stylized, and it's, you know, I'm a big fan of the uh, Universal Monster films, and I feel like this kind of brought that into mm-hmm. the 80s horror scene. Um, Mm -hmm. I I feel like even the ending itself kind of echoes The Bride of Frankenstein, where Frankenstein (laughs) realizes that he spends the whole movie trying to, you know, get a get a friend and then realizes that when they reanimate uh, the bride, that she's maybe not going to be a fan of him. Uh, And it kind of of echoes that he has to make the tragic decision to kill them both because he's like, (laughs) we're better off dead. Um, And I feel like, you know, Gordon really kind of gets at that really powerful profound melodrama in a very um you know stylized horror film and i Mm -hmm. i love it a lot nice Uh, thank you (laughs) this one uh uh, i'm gonna give a four out of five for now it's a super strong four out of five uh i was surprised at how much i eventually cared about these characters uh i just i always thought like everyone talked about the film as you know like we were discussing earlier it's got a lot of the, the campiness and things it was like kind of that. like the flash gordon effect but, right right but uh, yeah and then i watch it and i'm like this is this is awesome like this it's is great it's yeah wonderful. it's got a lot of depth in it's it a it's lot just of great because of the masking of some of the humor i think people i guess some people some, just don't take it as seriously i guess some, some something regard. gets lost in translation sometimes when yeah. people are uh you know talking about how funny it is and i found, right. i honestly I found, found it kind of sad and horrifying yeah th- and that's more so part of the humor too so yeah i thought mm-hmm. i thought it was great um and uh, yeah so that would that would be my score awesome well i think we're gonna move straight into from beyond Sweet. ready for from beyond beyond barbara okay sure <laughs> go it. for it <laughs> let it happen Robert. <gasps> such easy prey from the makers of reanimator from beyond all right we are talking from beyond the 1986 
sci-fi body horror film directed by Stuart Gordon. Um, so, Barbara, real quick, how how much time did you guys have between shooting Reanimator and then shooting From Beyond? These movies came out one year apart. Well, I, I don't really remember. No? Um, I, 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 yeah, it's kind of all a blur now, but uh, maybe it was a year or more, I guess. I don't know, a year and a year and a half, maybe. Okay. Um, Sounds yeah. about right. Did it feel mm-hmm. did, like did going back to that original crew pr- feel pretty familiar? And was it a no? Super- wasn't it? Wasn't the original crew? I mean, we just no. I guess not. Stuart. I just meant more. I guess no. Stuart Gordon again and, and, and Jeffrey Combs. and yeah. yeah. Well, just Stuart and Jeffrey. I mean, because and we made the uh, from beyond in Italy and mm, yeah. um, and and uh, that was a very new experience for me. Most of the crew was Italian. Um, and it was my first time going out of the country, uh, was making that movie. So I just showed up in, you know, (laughs) this old historical city of Rome. And I was like, where am I? What am I (laughs) making a horror movie here? And we shot it at the old Dino De Laurentiis studios in Rome. Oh, right. Remember we we talked about Dino and we did Flash Gordon because he made a, so he did a lot of. Um, he did a lot of producing on films, films like these. Oh, okay. But From Beyond is another H.P. Yeah. Uh, Lovecraft adaptation, this time of a, a short yeah. story uh, of the same name. Uh, and this one gives a little bit of a juicier role to you, Barbara, uh, mm-hmm. where uh, you get to play Catherine, and her last name is... Mick. McMichaels? McMichaels. Catherine McMichaels. Um, and you get to star alongside... Uh, Reanimator uh, Jeffrey Combs playing Crawford. Holy, these names are these from the H.P. Lovecraft story? <laughs> Tillingist, <laughs> yeah, Tillingist. Great yeah. names though. Uh, mm-hmm. And this time you guys also added Ken Forey, right? Uh, Ken Forey, yeah, yeah, Ken mm-hmm. Forey, Dawn of the Dead, which we would have watched. We, yeah. yeah, we just watched Dawn of the Dead so uh, actually in, in, in the theater just a couple months ago. Oh, um, which was a lot great, a, a lot of fun to see again. And he's kind of um, yeah. got like a bit of like. There's definitely less comedy in this film, but there's some moments oh, yeah. like when he's running around in his underwear and stuff like that. <laughs> when he just, tackles, oh. yeah, when he tackles in his underwear. Oh, it's it's great. And, and the best part it. about that is immediately after tackling him, he's like, "What are you doing?" And then he's like, "I'm trying to turn off the the, the circuit or whatever." <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Oh, why yeah. did I just tackle you? You would have done that faster if I didn't do that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, yeah. So yeah, the, he was the comic relief for the movie for sure. For sure. For yeah, sure. Bubba. Because, yeah, Bubba. And when so, but you you said uh, about this film in comparison to Reanimator is that when you and and Stuart and Jeffrey were making it that this this was supposed to be the more serious genre mm-hmm. film, a little bit more more heaviness to it. Um, maybe think, not necessarily yeah, in the Stuart, romance, but in the actual character. Right. Yeah, I think drama. Stuart wanted that. You know, Stuart's the kind of person that doesn't really like to repeat himself. And if you look at mm. his filmography, he does a lot of different kinds of things. And um, and Reanimator, surprisingly for everybody, was a lot more humorous than we thought it was going to be. And he specifically said to us, I want this to be a serious horror movie. So I, mm. you know, I was like, oh, OK, I guess I, you know, I mean, I wasn't really funny in the first one. So if I wasn't <laughs> funny in that one, I was going to be less funny in this one. Um <laughs> Yes, the tone of it was was different, and and that was by his design. Well, and and you mm-hmm. can you can honestly feel the tone really early on, and you can also feel yeah. the mm-hmm. fact that you guys, you must have got a significantly bigger budget for this one, 
Um, just because. Oh yes, <laughs> much bigger. I mean, five times as much. I think our budget was five million. Wow. And wow. back then, so how much is that today? Probably yeah, a lot. Probably like that's fif- a lot. Fifteen or twenty. And we shot that. Yeah. We we shot that movie for six weeks in Italy, um, and they put all of us up. You know, we had Mac Alberg and and uh, my ex husband was the. Was the focus puller on the movie? So there David wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of overtime yeah. on this one, I imagine. Um, no, I don't remember there being a lot of overtime. I find I find, I find having money probably makes your production a little gives you a little bit of uh, cushion and ease. Yeah, yeah nobody, you, nobody. You, you don't necessarily have to strain yourself to get. No, <laughs> and nobody felt rushed. Also, because we were making a movie with Italians, and they mm. like to break for lunch and have minimum an hour. And they drink wine at lunch because that's what they do. So we had wine at lunch. Sometimes I would drink it. Sometimes I wouldn't, depending on what the scene was. But, um, you know, nobody hurried on that set at all, ever. Right. Okay. Well, this film kind of kind of opens similarly to Reanimator, just kind of setting like a tone setting prologue to it, where where Combs's uh, Crawford is working on a resonator machine for his mentor professor type. Stuart, did Stuart have a really bad mentor professor in his life? Because <laughs> it seems like he's got... A recurring yeah. theme here, it's yeah. a recurring theme here. But anyway, Crawford... I think he has a trouble with authority. That would yeah. make Stuart sense. Stuart doesn't like to be said no to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by anyone, even me. I love the guy. But if I would say, well, I'm not sure if I really want to do that, Stuart, he would somehow talk me into it. Um, not that I was the authority, but I think he he has he has a thing with you know anybody producers or anybody telling him that he couldn't do something. Mm. He's a very single-minded person and and um, you know a great artist, and he just doesn't he doesn't want he wants his vision to come through. He doesn't right. want somebody to say he can't do something. Well, and so it, whenever anybody said you couldn't do something, he always pushed harder. Yeah. And it, it, it does come. The it does come through in in, yeah. in his film simply because you can see the affection he has in Reanimator for obviously West, which is obviously mm-hmm. how he managed to hijack a movie that probably wasn't written for him or written necessarily mm. about him. Um, right. But, but in this film, it's it, it's your character, character Catherine, who has mm-hmm. that drive. You and Jeffrey have yeah. kind of switched roles where you, you Correct, have that yeah. kind of discipline and that and that focus um right that maybe is the undoing of uh, uh, the people around you <laughs> yes i i think you're right in in the theme you know was in a way similar um but we switched roles definitely and it was definitely hard for for jeffrey to to go through that you know he he's used to being a very active performer and mm. he admits freely that you know, playing that part in From Beyond was very difficult for him to have the makeup on, uh, applied all the time, oh, the bald right, cap. Right, right. And, yeah, the bald you cap. Know, doing yeah. all that stuff, the eating of the brains and, you know, all the other kind of stuff <laughs> he did. He, it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, it was, I mean, he did a great job and he oh, always yeah. does a great job with every role, but he, it was, he'll admit freely, it was very difficult for him. You know, um, to come to work every day. Yeah, yeah. Well, he honest, had some great scenes. He did like, have some great. I, I especially love the and the camera work here when he says he's like when he uh, he bit his head off like a gingerbread man. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, that, push that Zoom. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. it's really it's really well done. I think he still has some really great great moments, but. Oh yeah, yeah, and Ted, yeah. Ted, who plays Pretorius, gets to particularly ham it up in comparison to every, right. every everybody oh, else. Yeah. 
All um, the makeup he's yeah. got to put on, like, holy hell. But, but, but the oh, idea yeah. is that he sets up this resonator that takes them to the beyond. A, yes. a, a, another, another dimension filled with, with, with creatures. And the, the effects in particular are, are really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what, what happens is that a creature in the beyond sucks Pretorius's head off. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and 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 absorbs him, biggins. consumes him, um, and you know, I I think we I mentioned briefly before the idea that body horror is a lot of the time about um, transformation and and impermanence and the sort of anxiety of of that, and you can get at that with the 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 actual physical flesh, mm-hmm. uh, and this mm-hmm. movie is more literally actually about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where yeah. where you see these people. Um, actively, you know, where normally you would see a film where a character goes through an arc and they, you know, they, they come to a new conclusion or they become a new person. This is people hijacking different bodies. <laughs> yeah. And you see mm-hmm. Pretorius and especially Jeffrey, uh, as the film goes on later, uh, does that. And uh, for McMichaels, it's more of an internal transition, uh, mm-hmm. but it's no less uh, stark. Yeah. Uh, as we, you know, we we move through the film, right? Well, she didn't she didn't get absorbed into the beyond, so um, you know she didn't transform. But the but psychological the internal longing, yeah. yeah, it was kind of like like the the resonator was turned on. It it just allowed you to see more, feel more, as she said, and and that's something that she was kind of a repressed personality. Mm. So she was highly drawn to the resonator and what the feelings. And again, sexual, you know, mm-hmm. that um, initially that 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 can bring out in you, um, you know, and they talk about sex as, you know, being creative and and some of the seed of creativity. So there's something to that, I guess, in a story, yeah. you know, in a movie about, uh, you know, yeah, uh, that, 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 that is a creative expression a lot more uh, here and it feels more in tune with. The actual character feelings, which is more because yeah. you know for feels, the, for reanimator, Doctor Hill is just kind of like a a kind of sick dude yeah. who gets amplified. Yeah. And, and, like, and here it kind of affects everyone for sure. I feel in like a really mm-hmm. reanimator way. also focuses more on like the obsession with staying physically here almost, and whereas mm. this one seems like they transcending. want to, mm. yeah, they want to transcend. <laughs> oh, they want to become infinite. Right. And and there you go. That, yeah. that's a good thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. it seems right. like they just have this this absolute obsession with becoming you know feeling more consuming more be, ha, being more knowledgeable more having more wisdom yeah becoming i think at one point he said uh, pretorius uh in the beyond says that he's become better than human right uh, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're trying to appeal to his humanity and right. he's just like i don't need humanity anymore yeah. i'm better than that I'm a, i have transcended humanity right yeah yeah um and i, I guess we're kind of getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here yeah but the the, the basic idea is that uh pretorius and Crawford activate uh, the resonator and go to this beyond uh, it, it, it consumes Pretorius um, and leaves Crawford in a uh, shocked mental state justifiably and he, he has a great mm-hmm. moment where he runs out of the house and I, I love I don't mm. know I don't know about the uh, how Stuart decided to include this bit but I love the lady who's calling the police mm-hmm. on oh, them yeah. the neighbor yeah. and she's yeah Bunny Summers yeah she's she's excellent in her that was the actress's name yeah. in her bit that she gets there where she's just like the neighbors are at it again the mad scientists <laughs> yeah. are doing lights the funny lights the attic, yeah. uh, and it's just a it's a great little uh, mm-hmm. you know moment of levity and it, it has obviously. Um, 
Crawford ends up having to go into a men- mental institute where they diagnose him with uh, schizophrenia, which puts him on the radar of Catherine McMichaels, mm-hmm. um, who I guess is you know trying to investigate schizophrenics and is trying to investigate uh, you know how Crawford became this way so that she can possibly uh, you know cure cure this again. It's it, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's an altruistic. I want to help him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. That, that she gets involved with and then she kind of pushes it and pushes it and pushes it in the same yeah. way that West and Dan do yeah. uh, in, in, in yeah. Reanimator. Right, she gets a taste of it and once you have the taste of it, you there's there's no going back, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, so that, that's what happens is they they, they go into the, the mental hospital, she checks out mm-hmm. Crawford and she's like, take me back, help me recreate this experiment that made you this way right. and let's kind of you know, work from there and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll find a way to mm-hmm. help, help everyone who might, yeah. you know, so mm-hmm. naive open up a portal to another dimension, yeah. which yeah. is, a, you know, a thing that a lot of people are going to do uh, <laughs> yeah. in the Stuart Gordon universe. Um, <laughs> yeah. A really interesting sort of thing happens when they first turn on the resonator. And I guess this is how they bring uh, Ken Foray on as well. Bubba, who mm-hmm. is the, the officer who is in charge of making sure that nothing happens to Crawford in, uh, in McMichael's, uh, you know, guardianship. Yeah, and he, he ends up kind of not following instructions very much when it comes to the don't move, those demons are going to fuck you yeah. up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. And do you think it was kind of a... I, I felt that it was... He's just so not used to this kind of environment at all. Like, any... Because mm-hmm. he, he... Did you say he was a bodyguard? Is that essentially what he... He was, was like, I think he's yeah. an officer. I think okay. he's an officer and he's, he's... He was a police so, officer so or something. He but was he... like curiosity, basically, that caused him to, to really go after those organisms. Uh, honestly, and take a it look. could just be, I, I think largely the he... entire film is kind of like a, a, a curiosity that everyone sure. is, For everyone, sure. all of the characters sort of act on their own. Because that's what mm-hmm. happens is McMichaels has an altruistic purpose, but eventually it does sort of just become a, I got to see, I want to see more, I got to, and it, it seems like mm-hmm. this sort of, it, it's sort of like a, an, an allure to, yeah. again, we talked about sort of like this, this transcending, yeah. there's, there's an allure like a, to there's a power that. to it, yeah. Yeah, where you can, you can escape sort of your, your bodily woes yeah. uh, right. and, find, and find something more spiritual uh, although obviously for this film, I don't necessarily know that they find anything particularly profoundly spiritual. They just no. find more horror in the body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like go, it's going into another dimension. You know that, yeah. that 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 this dimension exists and that we haven't experienced it. So mm-hmm. that it's just around um, you all of the time, and that activating right. your. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gland, the pineal gland, the pi- yeah. pineal gland, yeah. pineal mm-hmm. gland. Good old. Yeah. I don't know if this is directly stolen from from Lovecraft or not, yeah. but <laughs> uh, the idea that that could be your sixth sense and could open up a right. a whole dimension of of demons and your creatures is, is pretty is pretty nuts. And it reminds. Uh, I think we're, we we got to mention it because it's. It, it's almost the same idea as Cronenberg uh, scanners, scanners yeah. where they open up their third eye with their ability to sort of mess with other people's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a lot of the effects bodies. gave me those vibes too. There's even that one scene with, uh, when, um, uh, what's uh, the, he's got that weird name, the doctor, the evil guy. I can't Notorious. When he's got, he's first introducing himself as this new transcended, 
uh, human, and he's like, I don't need the body anymore, and his face rips off, and he reveals this, like, reptilian yeah, thing. It gave right. you those scanner vibes at the end when, mm. you know, they're they're having the mind battle, and their skin's pulsating and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and especially and when the gland, like, pops out of his head, and it's right. like a little snake. The the homeless guy calls it, like, a, the little snake man. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> he just wanted to see more than any man has yeah. ever seen. Yeah, the third eye. Cool. It's usually presented as this beautiful representation of knowledge that we don't know but now it's just yeah. this alien sucking out brains for people right. yeah and it, 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 it looks awesome too uh, yeah. when you guys it's activate incredible. the resonator and gordon chooses kind of all these these big um you know pinks and blues mm, that combine yeah. into like a a really tone setting uh kind of purple color um, yeah, because it's almost it's it's almost beautiful, but you can tell that there's a darkness behind it. Well, and and that's just mm-hmm. it is that that's how the characters like it, this light this light comes over them, and they're they're like there's something beautiful about exploring and seeing more and 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 exploring, uh, and mm-hmm. then you know that's when the creature absorbs them and is like welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now you're really here. <laughs> yeah, well, the color scheme kind of goes along with your feelings about it, right? Your feelings yeah. about exploring more, or going you know, where no man has gone before. It's just like the colors are alluring. And then when you get there, you're like, oh, holy shit, I don't really <laughs> want to be here. But but you do. I mean, because it, mm-hmm. it's grabbed you and you, you yeah. know, and it, it's kind of like if you talk about themes or something, it's it's like, I think what horror movies do for people is that it allows us to see the the most horrible things that you could possibly imagine and survive, right? Yeah. Or get to experience those things that maybe you really don't want to experience in life, but that you think about or that you're afraid of, and then you see it on film, and you know you get to go there, but then you get mm-hmm. to go home and and <laughs> you know climb into your cozy bed, and you're you're all safe, you know. Well, that's the, that's uh. definitely a distinction between the audience and the characters, because what's interesting about both this and uh, reanimator for gordon is that it kind of seems that none of his characters kind of come out unscathed in this kind of movie and it's sort of unique to the body horror genre in general and same with cronenberg is this idea that you you really can't go back yeah it's you've you've been Mm -hmm. changed forever that you've been right been mutated um whether that is bodily or psychologically Mm -hmm. and I, i i think that the the huge uh pretorious I, was it a was it a model on set that you could see? I'm curious. The the the, the creature that Pretorius is turning and into. It's so oh yeah. yeah, it was live. It was a live wow. action piece. Because I, I, mean, I wasn't sure how much is it, it, the, the lighting is doing on just how like sort of like clammy he looks mm-hmm. and kind mm-hmm. of. And the creature is so abstract. It's like it's not even trying to be any shapely thing. It's no, he's got like a really yeah. elongated neck. And yeah. at one point, he it's asks like a, he asks asks Jeffrey to come up to him and like touch his right. shoulder, yeah. and he like puts right. his fingers yeah. into him. You know the yeah. you know the Rick and Mar- Morty episode where they do the Cronenberg the thing. Things. It looks like one of those creatures. Just absurd. There's no mm. logic to it. It's just this like this gross bug from a different dimension. Right. It's yeah. crazy. The the shininess and the clamminess on the creature though they got by using a substance called methyl cellulose and it's it's a food thickener um i don't know how much they use it anymore i think it's it's still okay to use (laughs) it's it's very it's clear it's clear it's very thick 
And they used to use it in McDonald's milkshakes. They don't oh use it anymore. God. Now the milkshakes are made with ice cream. Okay. But they no, used thanks for like confirming that. that they've at least changed that. Because because oh, yeah. that would that wouldn't I would never eat a McDonald's milkshake again. I would just think if you told of me the that the jelly yeah. these dudes are covered yeah. in. I just used to think make of it. this creature from from beyond. <laughs> we had buckets of that on set, and it was very cold. And you know when I was in like the leather outfit, and I didn't have. M- many clothes on I I was covered with that and I think when I turned the resonator on at one point and and the creature was above my head and it was maybe going to suck my head in as well but but I think Jeffrey turned it off or was it Bubba who turned it off? I don't know. The diehard fans know who, oh, who well, turned I, it yeah, off. Oh, yeah, I think that was the part where, Bubba, where Bubba tackles Bubba him. Bubba turned it. And then, yeah. and then, and then Bubba pulls uh, the uh, the the electrical wiring out while because I think I think Jeffrey at that point is having his he- his head sucked up. Yeah, uh, and that's the part where he has to get the bald yeah. cap on because he's been right, like, he's right, been right. Like uh, yeah, eaten by a worm or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> right. But that they put methyl cellulose on all of us, like on everything. Really, like every time you were that, attacked by one of the creatures. Yeah, that except oh. when I when I had my hands when I had my hands tied up when Jeffrey tied me up. I don't, and I saw the little creatures like the swimming creatures in the air. I don't remember oh, them yes. using any any of it there. I was actually going to ask you about that part because mm. I'm I'm curious. Was that was that Catherine sort of like? starting a relationship with the beyond from being in there for, for so long, because it seems like the eels kind of help her out in that situation. Mm. Well, they only held me out because they were drawn to the light supposedly. Uh, and so okay. that's why I, I, I struck the match so that, that they would okay. eat. Yeah. The light, you know, whatever that was a little well, device. Catherine I don't is know very how. resourceful. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I really think that was a great device on the filmmaker's part, <laughs> but I guess, you know, if you guys don't have any trouble with it, nobody's ever mentioned. No, I didn't. She in, likes- in fact, I, I mm-hmm. honestly projected like my own, my own thought onto it, which was yeah. the idea that somehow I mean, Catherine was, was, you know, sort of in the same using way. Using them. Oh, yeah, well, because I, I, I thought do, it was kind of doing the same opposite way like of what Dr. the doctor Hill was can, doing. Yeah. Dr. Hill and Reanimator could using it for manipulate. Good. The yeah. Energy. So I, yeah. I thought that Catherine oh, was, cool. was kind of, you know, having a relationship with the things in there because she's been mm. in there so many times now rather than Pretorius who seems to just want to consume everything. Yeah. He wants yeah. to become one giant That's thing. He wants everything yeah. to be part of I him. think that would have been a good layer. They actually should have put that in. I <laughs> yeah. like that. That but the, I don't we'll just think say that, it's in there. that's what they meant to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just yeah. say it's in there. Oh all right. Go ahead. Yeah. Nailed yeah. it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it, what kind of happens over the course of the film is just like a, you guys activate the resonator multiple times. Uh, mm-hmm. at, at first it seems for reasons to try and, and help people. And then eventually yeah, it, it seems kind of, scientific and then it becomes obsessive. That's And then, yeah. yeah, it becomes, it does become more of a, a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, you know, I believe what Crawford was telling me or I tell him that I believe him in the very beginning of the movie and that mm-hmm. I, Tell him, I want to see what you saw because I believe you. And then she turns it on and, you know, it gets turned on. And then um, she says to him, uh, he says, no, now that you believe me, we have to stop this. And she says, no, you always run an experiment twice to check the results. I have to see if this is going to happen again. But, of course, the resonator has gotten her. It's got its hooks in her. And she wants to see more and feel more like Jeffrey's character Mm -hmm. um, did in the you know uh, in the beginning and um and at that point you know she's in charge and there's really 
there's not a lot of there's not a lot to turn back from. Yeah, you know? because if, Combs if, would if have he, to go back to the hospital. Those are really only his only options. It's either help. Yeah, you. because I think she's lying to him. She's yeah. lying to him. I mean, they could have they could have left right away. She could have said, "Oh my holy crap!" I he's <laughs> right. I saw. Yeah, because Crawford and, and Bubba are both like, "Look, that that, that was happened. not good. That was yeah. real. that was not great. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to do it again." Absolutely. Uh, and then I I think uh, Catherine eventually just mm-hmm. says. Uh, you know, we're going to sleep on it. We'll figure it out mm. later. Yeah, and then right, in, and right. then in, in her sleeper, she's woken from her sleep with the, just the pure allure of the resonator. Yeah, it's calling and her like the resonator's calling exactly. to her. And that's, and that's yeah. when she activates it when everyone is asleep the second time. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's right. where things get really, really messy. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think Catherine is frightened by her second time in there. But again, she's, she's in there for so long that it's, she, she's starting to see more. And you, you, do, mm-hmm. you do feel like, again, a lot of people would complain that, you know, obviously characters should just leave. Don't, don't do the bad yeah. thing and just leave. But, but the like, whole point, I think, is this kind of... It's, but it's, you do feel it. I think the movie yeah. does make you kind of feel the that there's a, there's something beautiful. There's something mm-hmm. possible. By this power there's possibilities. And and, yeah. you do, it makes you curious. And I think that that's a really good thing um, that everyone pulled off making the film is that you do... I honestly kind of just want to see more of the beyond myself. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wanted right. to see more, which is crazy because so, you know it's mostly it's, it seems it's not terrifying. very good. Yeah, it yeah. seems absolutely terrifying for us. But then those eels came in, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, they don't seem like terrible. <laughs> yeah. they, they seem yeah. like just normal. They seem like normal animals. That's totally fine. Yeah. What, yeah. El- what else you got in there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but every time they activate it, obviously Pretorius is waiting there at the gates. Yeah, uh, to, yeah, to, sensing it to, to to sort of like he's what is he in control? of the beyond what is he going to do with us if we do go over you know it's clearly um, it's clear he doesn't have good intentions for everyone right yeah. right he, he, so. he, he has very selfish um desires mm-hmm. uh and mm-hmm. they they make that very explicit when they go up into his sort of like sex dungeon type yeah. area where he's got like a you know a, a, a camera set up to to film his escapades in there and mm-hmm. Bubba is just like you know your 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 guy was pretty sick, yeah. uh, and mm-hmm. I think I think Jeffrey says in response that the dude was a genius, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and it's just it's kind of like a, yeah, so it's it's kind of just a case of I think that that's kind of what the the film largely I think both of these films are kind of largely getting at that that there is there is a, a price to yeah um, these price these, to pay yeah there's there's a price and consequences to the things. Um, that we we want to discover and the things that we want to do, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, especially if you have uh, desires that are a little bit weirder than the average person, yeah. which both Pretorius mm-hmm. and Doctor Hill. Have. And once again, there's there are things that they can't come back from because no. once it's once it's experienced, it's just it's it's there. Especially the Doctor, because I mean, he becomes once again that abstract creature that yeah, no Pre- one's coming Pretorius back from. clearly wants to turn the other dimension into his own giant. Sex Playground, dungeon. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, although, even though he says it's actually, I think multiple times he actually says uh, that well, he, he thinks d- it's love. Well, he mistakes I, I don't know. it because I think Combs <laughs> kind of says, you know, like you don't, you don't actually know love; you just possess, you know, or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, that, that, that's the argument he makes to him, and I think, I think though that Pretorius isn't necessarily even interested in actual sex. It's more of like a, it's a power, it's thing. a power yeah. thing, which is, and yeah. I, and I think he views this power creature he's turning into than, yeah. is that he has like the ultimate power, which is just to consume people mm-hmm. and take all take their minds. That's eventually what yeah. he's more interested in. Is, mm. is, is taking the mind. mind. He was interested in the mind. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
That's um, true. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a price to pay for like going somewhere or, or getting information about another area of life that we don't have control over or that mm-hmm. we don't know or that God hasn't given us, you know, mm-hmm. we're given this life and we walk around and we have children and we have a job and, and whatever. But what is, what is in that other dimension? What's in those places that our dreams come from or, you know, where do people go when they die? Where's the other planes of existence that different people talk about in, in different books that, That's exactly you know, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so, you know, when we, when we dare to go into these other places or want to go into these other places, what, what have we lost? And, you know, those, and, those and, and, and themes those are explored in both. Worth it too, you know? And what exactly. And were those losses worth it? I mean, they definitely were not in reanimator. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and in from beyond, you know, Catherine McMichaels loses her mind. Yeah, at which is the a end. Great, so they're great ending. Yeah, it's, I love that yeah. ending. It's so that that was something that happened just in the moment. I mean, I I was mm. supposed to jump out of the window, or the stunt double jumped out of the window, and then, you know, I I kind of decided on that day or somewhere in rehearsal that. I think she should go mad from this. I don't think that was written in as oh, if I'm remembering awesome. correctly. I think that's yeah. Honestly, it's very important. It works so I think, well. To the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's the best ending it could have. Cause I feel like you've at that point, well, where, how else has, do you come out of that experience? Yeah, your character right? has seen so much and now has, has all of this knowledge that she might've gained from being in the dimension for so long, but now she has to try to live a normal life now yeah. that would make mm-hmm. someone go, go absolutely there, mad. Yeah. And so, the laughter and the screaming is just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, working together there. And it's, yeah, it's, well, I, I, I also imagine, I also imagine, and I took that from Jeffrey and what he played in the very first scene, because I mm. think he was, you know, they were wondering if he was insane Yeah, and you right. know, what was wrong with him? Is right. he insane? And, that's yeah, a know, really good call. Yes, because, he because was. again, and, and it's the yeah. and it's the you get like the, the police lights outside the house and stuff too. Right, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it, it does feel like a direct callback to the scene where uh, Jeffrey is running out all hysterical and yeah. then they put him in a mental hospital. And that's that's honestly what you imagine is next for Catherine, what's, which yeah. is really yeah. Sad. What's interesting <laughs> is when Barbara, when you said that yes, he is insane, and it's just not it's not the way that the doctors were looking at the insanity. It's yeah. just that they can't it's, understand that what he has seen is real but it's mm-hmm. it's it's gotten to the point where he has to live in this reality right. so he has gone insane it's just yeah. they think that he's just making it all up well that's, that's an interesting point you bring up because yes so from a doctor's point of view Catherine and jeffrey's character are both insane in this world but we're really right. not insane but we can't almost live in this world anymore once you've gone yeah. be gone to the beyond exactly. how can you actually live in this world yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've seen too many crazy things. I've that, seen too much. Yeah, yeah. no human being. Well, yeah. I mean, no going I mean, back. I'm, I'm curious how I'm going back from watching that moment where where Jeffrey pops out of Pretorius, oh, like best. like birthing style I with the jelly awesome. on him, screaming like oh he's my God. coming from the depths of hell. It's just so. I I, I feel like I, I gotta love that. I gotta get something washed out of my brain. It's <laughs> yeah. like. It's yeah, a, it's Jeffrey a, it's really goes for it in those moments too, yeah. doesn't he? I oh, mean, yeah. you know, it's just he fills every participle of his bones <laughs> with, you know, ev- 
all that feeling and gusto and, yeah. uh, you know, a little bit of melodrama that just really, but plays so well and beautifully. Oh, yeah. and, you Especially know. nobody does it like him. I mean, over the top. Scene. Yeah. Over the top, crazy over the top. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, a little bit like Bruce Campbell does, you know, in evil Definitely. dead in the evil dead movies, you know, they both have that same kind of tone in some of their delivery apparently in some of the, the material comics of like west or whatever yeah. they had uh ash and him meet up and do a versus oh so that's God. interesting of those course. tones clashed one of these days yeah. so that's cool yeah. right yeah one thing i guess before oh. we do wrap up uh there was a great it's kind of just more uh more on when you know them being almost hypnotized by this this power that the dimension brings but when uh combs gets his third eye he actually does say like it's truly beautiful, as if he mm-hmm. sees yeah. something that no one else can experience. But right. then, of course, he goes on to eat brains and and uh, just yeah. go totally insane. So it's it's interesting that he both feels something like total contentment with life, and then all of a sudden he becomes well because ridiculous. Well, well, there's something for the horror fan because Stuart yeah. writes these movies for the horror fan. We think that the other world is beautiful Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that don't watch horror movies don't but we do (laughs) yeah we think it's cool yeah that's i like that yeah it's true and i i I do think that um because he does eventually when when his gland opens up so much or whatever and he's he's got the little Mm -hmm. snake in his head and he's he's coming around he's eating brains and the 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 doctor the the, the doctor's just like hey please don't do that like she says it very calmly actually please don't eat those please don't eat those yeah Yeah. like that's not good for you man please don't do that and then he sucks out her eye and then he's eating people and he's and that and that's when he ties ties you up right he kidnaps kidnaps you or he he bring uh that, what happens? I, I'm pretty sure that's somehow. He, I'm pretty sure he gets that's, there, yeah. Because he just starts taking out medical staff yeah. until yeah. he finally gets back. Right. To this yeah, place. and then he and yeah, then he, he, comes, he, he handcuffs mm-hmm. or he handcuffs Catherine. Um, right. Yeah. And, and that's when the bomb sets off and all. And this, then and yeah. then Catherine is being like, like, why are you doing this? Like, we're friends. Like, we're you know, we're we're doing something. He's, yeah. And I, I think at that point he is being at least minorly possessed by Pretorius. Uh, yeah, and, and and that sort of this this illusion of creating a a new form and all all consuming being of of pure knowledge and mind and all, all yeah. these things, uh, and that's mm-hmm. when you Barbara, you bite his gland right oh, off. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that part. Yeah, was that a lot of fun? Because yeah. that seemed like you had a good time in that scene. <laughs> uh, it was, and I remember we only had like one pineal gland sticking out of his head so oh, they so said you, you know make sure it. you get a good oh. grip on it with your teeth and <laughs> you know we're not going to be able to like do it again i i've had so many moments in movies like that especially with heavy special effects right where they say yeah we got one shot with the blood and on your blouse we only have one blouse or <laughs> you know we, we have one pineal gland so you know make that chomp a really good chomp well you and, do because i don't I, screw it up i visibly like cringe yeah i was like oh that's oh yeah. for a guy that must be horrific <laughs> to see that because of yeah. course it brings up those it, those, it's images those images in your mind. for sure i mean yeah, lovecraft absolutely. yeah especially in general <laughs> he really does bring those uh inspire those images in people sure <laughs> yeah um and and yeah i think that's that's when he finally realizes that hey i'm i'm crawford like i what am i doing I'm, i don't want to be part of this pretorious thing yeah uh and, yeah i prefer yeah. love <laughs> not this crazy power driven you know yeah. whatever even and if together it's they all work all the wisdom in they, the world. they all work and they they tear <laughs> pretorious apart from the inside and destroy yep. the rest yeah of them and escape 
and obviously and <laughs> Catherine, I... Catherine is is changed forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll enter the reductive rating round on this one. Barbara, again, don't have to join us. <laughs> yeah. Don't have to do it. You they... don't. You don't you <laughs> But uh, but we, I, I do have a question for you though. As we're entering okay. it though, how does it feel when you go back and you watch these movies? Like, do you ever do, do you ever does that, anyone ever like sit you down and is like, you know, do, do you ever watch them? Because I, I I gotta imagine yeah. there's gotta be a weird experience. Sometimes I watch them for special screenings, which I get invited to quite a bit. So right. I mean, sometimes I'll introduce sense. the movie and then I'll go out and get a drink and then I'll come back and answer questions. But occasionally I will watch a few of the movies and. And I'm always pleasantly surprised that I feel better about them years later because oh. when you're a performer in a movie, you you look at your individual performance and you think, oh, I wish I'd said that line differently or yeah. I don't really like that moment or I could have done better. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. any artist feels that way about their work. Right. Definitely. But the farther away I get from it, I look at it and I go, all right, that wasn't so bad. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's a pretty good movie. And uh, yeah, we, there were some good moments in it. And I was I didn't suck too bad. I was all right. Oh. Um, so I gen- generally have those feelings. I you know, but I the first time I see him, I'm better now. I'm better than I used to be. But, you know, I always would cringe anytime I would see myself on film. Oh, mm. I, I totally suck, you know, uh, okay. but it gets better. It gets it gets better. So now I, I do appreciate them now. And and, you know, since I came back with your next a number of years ago, I had taken a break from filmmaking and then I came back. And now I've really rededicated myself to being in the horror genre and, and working again mm. and acting again. And I'm so happy to be doing that. And so I, I go back and I, over the last five or six years, I've watched so many more horror movies than I've ever watched in my entire life. And and I have a new appreciation for them. And I understand the 70s, 80s, 90s. I know you know, now different genres and what they kind of did. Probably not as good as your listeners or as you guys, you know, who are fans. Maybe well, do you know Josh, what, honestly? Not, Jamie, because you're the new, you're the, yeah, new, yeah, we're you're right, the newbie. But, we're right there. Yeah, we're, but, we're, yeah, we're but trying, I, but you I, know? <laughs> yeah, but I have a lot of forgiveness for myself now mm. and um, and an appreciation for a, a, a lot of, you know, what what we actually accomplished and did. And, for sure. and you I'm should. so I thankful mean, that, you know, we have these people that, consider these movies cult classics now and you know i i have so much appreciation for for the fans who love the movies too oh yeah, yeah. and there's the, i mean there's a there's a lot of great work from from honestly everyone on on, yeah. on these films and i would i would away. honestly say in particular the performances i think gordon coming from a mm. from a theater background really was able to and alongside with with you and jeffrey yeah. and and then was able to you know you know a, a lot of these films yeah. Yeah. Moments, don't yeah. don't want to sometimes they want to be genre exercises and i think that these films could have been that but i think that there is mm-hmm. real character and there are especially oh, in reanimated definitely there's real heart and there's mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know there's there's a lot more happening um you know in the in the screenplay and in the the performances here and then uh, then all you have to do is transplant some of that lovecraft craziness and you have <laughs> yourself a you know a, yeah. a kind of heartbreaking and horrifying genre film from honestly yeah uh, kind of both of them yeah. Right. Well, let me let me say this, too, when you talk about Stuart Gordon um, directing people, because sometimes I work on movies today and I don't have, a, you know, a lot of collaboration with the director because they just kind of hire me and, you know, I do what I do. And some directors mm-hmm. do that anyway, even some of the greatest directors of all time, you know, um, Woody Allen, you know, whatever you think of, you know, 
what's going on in the news about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he famously doesn't really talk to the actors so much about their performance. It seems just, an odd way to they do just, that, but... Yeah, they just go in and do it, and, and I've heard that um, about a few other people where they don't really talk to you about how to, how to you know, mold the scene or mold your characters. And Stuart, because of his back... Yeah, and Stuart, because of his background, um, was always talking to me about my character and my inner life and what I should be feeling in this moment. And, well, that and, absolutely and, comes through. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we, I was heavily directed in, in, in all of the movies I've worked on with him and I've worked on movies. I worked on a movie recently where I was working on it for a few days. Right. And the director was never saying anything to me. He wasn't saying, Oh, that was good. Okay. Moving on. Or, Oh, I love that scene. Or, Oh, that was a nice moment. You know, would be, we do this, the scene and he would say, Okay, um, moving on. That that would be it. No, that's good. Moving on. Just <laughs> moving on. Interesting. And so I so I'm work so I'm working. Yeah, I'm working on this movie, and then I and I was kind of feeling very um, insecure and thinking, you know, am I all right? Does he like it? And that's why he's moving on. Or do I really suck? And he thinks, oh, that's the best we're going to get out of this girl. So I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> and and so I'm 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 working with this other actress, and we finish the scene. And she says, and he goes, okay, um, moving on to blah, blah, blah. And she goes, well, did you like it? <laughs> and and I stopped and I looked at her and I burst out laughing because I was holding in this feeling of, <laughs> yeah, feeling do you fucking like yeah, it? That's amazing. Um, and, and he goes, oh, oh, yeah, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> and, you know, then I was like, oh, okay, that's just that, that guy. And, you know, and I'm I'm in a director's movie, so I I feel like I have to work the way they want to work. And if somebody wants to talk to me a lot, they have a lot of other things on their mind mm. besides, you know, if I need their help or if I don't need their help or, you know, how they want to talk to me or whatever. So I try to take my cue from them. And if they want to talk to me, I'll talk back to them. And if they don't, OK, I'm not doing it. But this was one instance where I was getting no feedback at all, at, like at all. So, uh Whatever. So every director. It's got to be a weird experience, and yeah. Yeah. You you kind of arrive on set, or you know, maybe you know the director a little bit, and you kind of might might know a little bit how they might like to work, and you know, and sometimes you just develop a rapport with your with the other actors too, and you kind of also talk about the scene. What do you want to do in the scene? What do you think's going on? How should we play it? And even some actors don't want to talk to you. It's all, it's all different, you know. So you just mm-hmm. show up, and you know, whatever you get is what you get, and you have to work with whatever that energy is. But with Stuart, yeah, his movies have a certain look and a feel and yeah. a, and and a little mellow drama, you know, mm-hmm. partly because it was the 80s, but partly because that's him and and he did come from the theater and he really he really wanted to hit home certain points and so we were we were all heavily directed, you know, mm-hmm. but we he's like a god to us. We were like, "Okay, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want us to do?" You know. Well, we'll do it for you. What do you want from us, you know? Because of my own yeah. morbid curiosity, I have to know, what was it like? He's my all-time favorite filmmaker, or one of them, Brian De Palma. Mm-hmm. You talk about working with directors and how they yeah. work with you. Yeah. How was, because I, I know from what I understand for Body Double, which was, that was your first feature that you did, you worked on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. From what I understand, you shot a bunch of scenes that ended up sadly getting cut. I honestly kind of wish that they were in there. Um, yeah. No, I didn't shoot the scenes because oh, the night before them. they called me and, and they, they said, said the, the dialogue scenes are cut. 
So they knew before they even started shooting that they were going to get rid of all the dialogue I, scenes. That's I so sad. I had a character. And the night before they said, oh, the dialogue scenes. And there was only two dialogue scenes. But mm-hmm. they were, you know, there was something to them. There were a couple of pages and it was with Craig Wasson and we were trying to get back together. And we were having problems, I think, in the first scene. And that's why, you know, she had an affair with the guy. And then right. and then after he does, we do have some interaction after he caught me having sex with that guy. Anyway, that's those are the scenes I auditioned on. And they said, oh, by the way, there's one scene with nudity. And I was like, oh, all right, it's Brian De Palma. Oh, so no. I'll do it. So then the night before they said, oh, those scenes are cut. Do you still want to do the part? And, you know, at that point I was like, well, it's, my first it's, movie. Brian, it's De Brian De Palma. Palma. It's my yeah, first you, movie. Yeah. I can't say no. <laughs> so so I did. But, but to answer your other question, which I think you're going to ask about is he. Um, he, he seems like we, a wild man. Um, I don't think he was really wild. I think he's a very visual storyteller. So Mm. I think a lot of times when I felt like he was directing me, even though it was just a small scene that I was in, I felt like it was more visual than anything else. Um, And he didn't really, you know, he wanted me to show different. I mean, we shot that scene all day from different angles and he just wanted me to have different looks on my face, you know, depending on how he thought in the final edit what emotion he wanted from me. So, okay. you know, I mean, I think I was probably crying in some of them, you know, or starting to cry or just really shocked or, you know, just heavy in the moment and not even paying attention to him. And then, you know, that was the moment he chose. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if like, I, I can't speak about him and, okay. you know, what he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with other people that have talking scenes. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brian. Well, we'll never forgive him for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're writing him off yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, well, he's, he's an amazing filmmaker and he's, I mean, I was, Absolutely. I was proud to say I've been one of his movies and I saw that documentary that, you know, he was sitting there in a chair and just talking about his career and his life. And, um, that was compelling, you know, beginning to end. So uh-huh. I liked how many you times know. he said "holy mackerel." In <laughs> yeah, yeah, like sweet guy. And then he talked mackerel. shit about yeah. Hitchcock for like three seconds. He said the birds was terrible, and I was like, "Well, that's a little." Yeah, he does a like, yeah, does a direct remake. Yeah. He's he's just an odd odd man in general. Yeah, he's, but he's but a, I but he does make excellent films. Oh, he's yeah, such um, a talent. And uh, yeah, well, yeah. So I guess we're still on the reductive radio. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, okay, let's here do we this. go. Hold on. <laughs> from beyond, before we get too far away from beyond. Um, for me, it's four, nice. but I, I love it. It's yeah. just, I, I, there's nothing much else I can really say about it that we haven't already said, but I think that the, that you and Jeffrey switching roles for this one is, uh, you know, it, it, it really does change the film significantly. Like I like this one in almost different, even though they have, you know, sort of crossover themes, I, I like from beyond in almost a completely different way than I like, um, yeah. reanimator. Definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really do, do think that it you know, speaks uh, wonderfully to the double-edged sword of, um, you know, our, our own curiosity and, and exploration. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the, uh, <laughs> the budget that you guys got for this one makes the, the tone and the, the, you know, the, the makeup even more unrelenting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I, I think, again, that you guys made some really compelling uh characters out of this and i do think that honestly i think both uh films have kind of uh um, amazing endings to them that makes me yeah. mm-hmm. it, it kind of reinvigorates me every time i watch each each one um, sure. yeah so yeah i love this one a lot 
for you, Jamie. Uh, I'm Thank gonna, you. I'm going to give it a five. Um, I, I, wow, I, I, yeah. you're giving it more than Reanimator. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this Reanimator was a four for you. Yeah. 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 This one, I don't know what it was. I think, well, one it's is I've feeling, always been right? more interested in the kind of philosophical, the, the different dimension, mm. transcendent, that kind of stuff. So that helped a lot. I also love that you had a bit of a more meaty role in this one. Um, right. Uh, in comparison to Reanimator. I mean, both are fantastic, mm-hmm. but... I really enjoyed uh, your performance in this one. Um, and Thank you. Then the, I mean, the effects, how abstract they get with all of the the crazy body horror and and all that. The uh, the scene where Combs head is it twisted, twisted off. off. And like, <laughs> it's just there's there's so much uh, to, yeah. to chew on in this movie, and uh, <laughs> and I absolutely loved it. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a five. For sure. Thank you. Awesome. Wow. Wow. Well, there you go. And this is the part where we leave it up to kind of the listeners. They kind of take it over from here and they, they discuss and they mm. rate. And we, we have mm. it kind of climb the ranks. We have an ongoing list, Barbara, where we kind of just, uh, you know, all based on the ratings, everything kind of goes up. And we're, we're as we go along, we're kind of creating a, a canon of these kinds of of, of horror films for people who are into maybe the the, the weirder ones, yeah. you know. Trying to, expo- right. trying to expose a few films maybe that yeah. people haven't heard of as well maybe uh but it was really awesome having you on thanks again so much for, thank you for so much on. Yeah. Uh, this is the part usually where we have a guest plug whatever it is that they they're gonna plug and i from what mm. i understand you have a movie coming out this summer yes uh the reimagining of puppet master now i've never um, seen a puppet master film do i have to watch all the puppet master movies before i do this uh, just, i think you watch the first three maybe okay um after that um after that, you, you're, uh, it's up to you. I know, I know there's a lot of them. <laughs> well, I think the first three had much bigger budgets. Okay. And then after that, I, I think they didn't so much. Um, and most people, when they talk about the Puppet Master series, they do talk about the first three. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is what I'll say about it. It's Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. And um, for Hell those yeah. listeners... For those listeners who do know um, the movies, I will say that in this one, Andre Toulon is a Nazi sympathizer, and um, it all takes place during a convention um, that marks the 30th anniversary death of, you know, some things that happened way in the past, and mm-hmm. um, there's a convention, and there's going to be a sale and an auction of some of the puppets, so um, 30 years later, people come back together and I'm, I'm an ex-police officer who's now a tour guide and I give a tour at this, uh, mansion and there's a lot of different characters that come from all over the world to sell their puppets and something mm. magical happens at the harm, at the, at the convention. At the, I want to say horror movie convention, but at the, um, at the puppet convention and, um, it's coming out August seventeenth, and uh, well, probably I saw it. Out. I saw yeah. it, and it's very bloody and very gory and really <laughs> over the top and very grindhouse. And I was even shocked at a you know because I wasn't on set the whole time. And I when I Couple saw the movie, I was like, "Holy, <laughs> holy crap!" Oh yeah, there was a few, there was a few kills in the movie that I, I didn't that they even added afterwards they shot some extra footage which is normal in a movie you know you go back in and you shoot a few extra scenes yeah you do, to maybe you, fill you, in. you do the first cut and you see what you feel yeah. is missing <laughs> right 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 and they they shot some wow some crazy stuff so um it was cool. definitely a crowd pleaser at the uh 
at the premiere that I went to. Awesome. Well, so. I think that we and probably a lot of our fans are going to be checking that one out. But also, if, if, every, if everyone, episode. yeah, if everyone mm-hmm. wants to see uh, Barbara doing more stuff, I personally will recommend Little Sister, which is a oh. film that's oh, thank on you. Netflix, which is a mm-hmm. a, a, a great little film uh, about a. a quirky little young nun uh and it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of what fun. year did it come out i think 2016 I, oh i have that on my list on netflix i think actually <laughs> yeah oh cool i didn't i didn't actually know you're in that that's awesome yeah. it's not it's not really a horror movie it's more of a, a comedy yeah it's a of a coming comedy of age drama, yeah 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 but it's nice drama. and i think that cool. you honestly it's a nice did some movie, pretty good yeah. work in it um so yeah, everyone nice. should check that one out too uh, but you. I think that's going to do it for this week's uh, awesome. Fleazoids. Uh, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, what are we doing next week, patrons? What are uh, patrons we're doing getting? Rio Bravo. Oh, yeah. And um, Assault on Precinct 13. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, so we're yeah. doing Howard Hawks, the Howard Hawks Western, Rio Bravo, uh, with John Wayne. And we're going to be pairing it with uh, a film that was inspired by it, John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. So for oh, yeah. patrons, uh, you guys will be getting that. Uh, and then two weeks from now, we're going to be back talking, I'm not sure I think it's one. Savage Streets and Stage Fright Aquarius, two films I know absolutely nothing yeah, I mean, about. Yeah, never even heard but, of But uh, a horror guru of ours uh, has uh, selected them as her films for when she comes on in two weeks' time. Cool. Uh, so, you know, again, we're, we're excited to kind of explore new realms as we continue on with the show. Yeah. Again, Barbara, thanks so much for, for coming on. Uh, Thank you for having me. Everyone, keep it sleazy out there. Keep it sleazy. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome.